A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online. And built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Online Dars. It is Monday. It's a bank holiday special and it is the live lounge with me, Bill Bars and Jack Garwood. As you can see, the other screen is blank today because Boise is off to Old Trafford to watch his rubbish team get dicked, hopefully. And everyone else is out enjoying themselves, Gob. Yeah, we've got the short straw, it looks like. <laughs> Cheers, boys. There's nowhere I'd rather spend it than with you guys on the live lounge. Come and say hi in the chat room. Loads of you been already. Peter, Tommy, Owen is in. Kieran, Adrian, Daniel, Connor, how are we doing, lad? Hope you are good. Um, look, it's never a dull time in Darts Cobb, is there? It's been a fairly, fairly busy weekend. Pretty standard. But yeah, it's absolutely hectic one once again. We've had uh, Premier League on Thursday, Euro Tour over the weekend, Women's Series, uh, the launch of the ABC event. Um, is it busy? Well, I do yeah. want to pull you off on one thing. Nowhere you'd rather be. I'd, I'd quite like to be in the crucible right now. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Ronnie is obviously <laughs> the goat, but um, yeah, it's all it's all good. Um, chat room, how we doing? Matthew is in as always. Um, get to debut the new darts. Oh, Connor's got um, Connor's got some new little beauties by the sounds of it. I'm guessing they're a version of. The traditional Whitlock ones, mate, but made by um, Mission. Um, Andrew is in as always. Look, welcome along. I'm going to do a live update here. Two seconds. We were very, very close when I looked this morning. Maybe one or two. Oh, I not a peek yet. No, it still says 23.9 on the home page. Right, we are three subscribers away from 24K. So if you are with us in the chat room or watching along, three subscribers to that magical 24K mark. Come on, guys. You know what to do. You know you know how it's done. Three more. And when we get to that, that 25K mark... Yeah, um, but we have... Um, We've got a very special giveaway at 25k on YouTube to give away. It is in my flat as we speak. It will be good. Craig is in. And Peter says, how are you doing, guys? I'm very well. And I'm sure Gov is as well. 
as always. As always. But like we say, we are on all social media platforms. But let's dive right in because we have got a lot to go through. Gob, um, first of all, Dublin seems a long, long time ago. Yeah. Good job I got that window open. Yeah. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, um, more Premier League action over the Irish Sea. It's just good to be back there. Look, it sounded like and it looked like the crowd just loved it, having darts back in Dublin. Oh, look, it was. I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. Don't get me wrong, there was the traditional four or five punch-ups up in the stand, but hey, look, that happens every year in, in Dublin due to... To, to other issues within the, the country, nothing to do with, um, with with darts. They looked up, oh, security going up. But no, the atmosphere was electric. And I'm not going to lie. When they sing Fields of Affan Rye and the whole arena sings it, it does make the hairs of your neck, back of your neck stand up on end. Did I hear him trying to sing Zombie as well at one point? Uh, not try. They were in full voice. I think the um, yeah. I think the Sky Sandman might have been, nothing to hear here. And whack the old volume down. Um, but it was um, it was good. Yes, it was. Adrian, we'll come on to that in a minute as well. Bob is in. Um, hope we are doing good. But first of all, um, let's let let let's run it through. Um, James Wade got over the line against against MVG. It was um, could have gone either way, Gob. But in a Premier League night, you do need a little bit of luck here and there. I don't think anyone's blitzed it without. A little bit here and there, but James got it in the opener and, and ran with it. Yeah, look, he started really brightly. He looked like he was going to run away of it a little bit against Michael. Has the advantage of throw. He's very, very difficult to break, as we all know, and he had the advantage uh, heading into it. Michael then pulls it back level, starts teeing off again, but look, Wade gets level again, and last leg with a darts, solid, wasn't it? Oh yeah, look, once it goes to that last leg, you you know. <laughs> Especially when he's when he's got the darts. Arguably, you may even have to produce a nine in that situation because he's going to go out in twelve or fifteen. Yeah, it's just solid, isn't it? Especially the form he's in at the minute. When this Premier League campaign started, I was writing him off. I was saying I don't think he's gonna win a night, I don't think he's playing well enough, I'm not sure that he's got it in him to sweep up, if you like three times in a night. How wrong was I? Arguably, he's the most informed in there right now. He looks ridiculously solid week after week. He's going deep in these tournaments now. Um, he's been in four of the last five finals, and he was beaten in the semi-final by Van Gogh in last week as well. He's just... Well, to like be fair, you he's say... He's an absolute machine right now. You, you, you say that you didn't think he had it. I think early on, I think that's a fair assumption to make because he wasn't playing particularly well at the Masters and, and everything like that. He didn't have a good world. But right now, he is sensational. Let, let's have that right. But I think early on, I don't think that's, that's an unreasonable assumption to make because he wasn't in that form. But but right now, he is right up there with, with anyone. Um, how are we doing? Aaron, Jim is in. Great to spend some time with you last week, buddy. Company is always good. Hope you got home well, barring a, a pit stop in Wigan. I know you're going to say hi to a few of the women. We'll come on to that in a minute as well, because that was a great part of the weekend. But the second um, quarterfinal was Gerwin Price against Joe Cullen. 
First of all, the new walk-on song lasted as long as Peter Wright's set of darts. Yeah, good. Terrible. <laughs> just all I have to say on it. Before I get accused of an Arteta again to play, because it was crap. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it didn't it didn't work. Um, but, look, Joe Cullen just misfired. Um, I'm not sure if the occasion got to him because it was loud in there. And for the if you've never played there before, I, I think it is quite hard to settle because that, that is noise like nothing we, we, we've seen. But look, Gezi wasn't brilliant. Um, again, Gezi tinkering with equipment. Got halfway. He started with the usual set of darts, but a new point in them that I noticed straight away because Gezi doesn't tinker with points very often, and he had the black one with the little. Change barrels of the week. He had the new points in them as well, but he went back pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, switch switch back to the normal points, but he got over the line. Um, and yeah, no danger really. Pretty standard. The, the... I think there's nights where Joe Collins flattered to see in this Premier League. I don't think it's been a great campaign for him on debut. Um, there was a lot of call for him to be in there, and look, he is in fifth spot right now. Um, pretty much by virtue of that night where. It all just opened up a little bit for him without being respectful. Um, with an action like Joe's, you have to hit the ground running from the very, very start. I think of the eight players you look at, he's probably got... It's probably more difficult for him to win with his B game than anybody else in the field. Because there's such yeah. a gap between his A game and his B game. Um, and I just don't think it's it's been a, a fantastic campaign for Joe. It's been okay on debut. It's nice to see that he hasn't been battered every week and finds himself bottom of the table or anything like that. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twelve nights he's not made it through the first game. It's been okay at times, but it, it could have been a lot better for Joe. Then the second one. This this was a surprise. A pleasant surprise. The scoreline says Michael Smith, what Gary Anderson, 6-2. But much improved from, from Gary Anderson. Job. Although the result wasn't there, the, the darts landing in the board looked better. The grouping was better. But ultimately, Michael Smith had too much. Pretty much the same, though, isn't it? It's another 6-2, 6-3 in that wheelhouse. Gary's competitive for a couple of legs. Drops off a bit not quite got it for the rest and you it's difficult to watch somebody who's a big big fan of Gary Anderson as a darts player yeah no look, I don't disagree that it is it is tough but an important win for, for Michael Smith and he did play very well across the whole night mightily impressed with Bully Boy after a tough tough couple of weeks Yeah, it's been a tough campaign for him. We've spoken a lot about the fact that he is the last one of the eight to have not won a night. And the fact that he is the last one will be playing on his mind so much more as the player in the field that still can't get over the line in a major, still can't do it in a final when he needs it. So the fact that this event provided him 16 opportunities to go and do that, and after 12, he's still not managed to do that in a, in a short space of time, will not be helping the mental state of Michael Smith right now, who he has to be scarred from that world final. I thought he was going to be okay. I thought he looked pretty good 
coming out of it and that he took it pretty well and was just going to go on a little bit of a barrage and use it as a platform, but doesn't seem to have done that. Is it scarring from the world final or more the UK Open final? Bit of both, I think. The fact that he went and made the UK Open final so shortly after the Worlds was a big positive for Michael Smith last time when he lost in that World Championship final to Van Gerwen. It took him an awful long time to, to get back on the horse effectively. But this time around, he was given an, an earlier opportunity to go and get over the line. Look, can't take anything away from Danny Noffert, but he was favourite. He, he was comfortably favourite and everybody expected that to be the moment. And that was a different kind of pressure on bully boy for the first time and now that he's had both kind of losses within such a short space of time and he's struggling to, to do it here in the Premier League when everybody else has around him you will there's always going to be those questions around bully boy until he goes and does it yeah no I completely agree and then the final game it was the informed ferret Johnny Clayton against when Peter's good he's, he's very very good and he he played well here, but an interesting thing for me, there was that interview that he did with with PDC lasted not very long because there was a new set of darts and they were based very much, in my opinion, off of a Michael Van Gerwen dart. There was a lot of bits the same. I didn't notice that bit. Did you know? I thought he changed this Sunday. I didn't see it this weekend. I didn't see it on Thursday. Yeah, he played with a a set that looked very much like, and that we all called it in the media room straight away. Well, Wayne Webby, we were like, that looks like an MVG dart, which was interesting. Could be anything, wouldn't it? Could be absolutely anything. Let me see if I can find a picture whilst we um, talk about it, but. Look, another good game, but the form Johnny's in. Used at the weekend. I didn't see what he used at the weekend. To be fair, they were like elongated tapered. Right. Okay. Um, but look, Johnny Clayton was superb. plus average is a reason that he's up there with Michael Van Gogh and right now in that table that's a reason he's top right now he's just been solid consistent and again he's had the odd blip he's had back to back weeks where he hasn't got over the line first round and you thought maybe that was the time that he was dropping off a bit there was a run of quarter final quarter final semi final quarter final and you're like mm, is that the bit where playing this many people this often and not not being the underdog was getting to Johnny Clayton a little bit, but he's handled it really well. He's come back a lot. It's difficult to be your brilliant best 16 weeks on the spin. And I think all this does, by the way, this campaign here and previous campaigns gone by, shows just how good Phil Taylor was, by the way. To just go and keep winning week in, week out in Premier League's gone by and just ridiculous. I'm, I'm Van Gerwen through that period of four or five years or whatever it was, but for both of them to just be able to turn up every single week against the best players in the world and turn it on when they need it the most in 16, 18 week periods is just ridiculous. 
Yeah, no, look, it is remarkable. Semi-finals. We'll start at the top, and this was a wow moment. God, Gezi's played very well here and got absolutely blown away by James Wade's best ever televised average, and it was nothing short of sensational. Yeah, and it's the absence of how frequently he gets close to this level is perhaps why James Wade doesn't get spoken about enough on TV, in the media, on social media, etc., saying that he just doesn't have this exciting, absolute ceiling game that gets fans in, that gets people interested for him to constantly be a threat. And he's just producing this more and more and more. We started to see it a little bit last year on the Pro Tour. Now we're seeing more 100-plus averages again from James Wade. He has added that extra level of scoring to his game. And when you add in just how difficult he is to break, just how much he could well be the best clutch doubler of all time, it's just a ridiculous combination to have to even try and beat. And look, we've seen a number of matchups this year, and I haven't got the head-to-heads for everybody but I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this one. James Wade has not lost a girl in price in the Premier League this year so far. Um, I don't think so. Yes, no, didn't... Uh, Gezi beat him in Belfast. Because didn't James go 3-2 up and then Gezi put the afterburners on in the final? Oh, yeah. My bad. <laughs> still pretty one Still pretty one-sided for a man that's above in the rankings, etc. Cardiff, James won. Did it me? Yeah, Belfast final. No. 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 Beat him in Leeds. Beat him in Manchester the following week. Beat him in Dublin. 4-1? 5-1 maybe? Still a pretty good head-to-head record. But yeah, God, I've, just sent, I've just, sent, just sent you a picture of that Peter Wright dart as well. Um, but look, James Wade was unplayable and absolute kudos to him and you felt the writing may have been on the wall for the rest of the field at that stage. Uh, Liam is in. Happy birthday, mate. Happy 18th. Um, Gob's just having a look at the picture I sent him. They look a bit weighty. I see what you mean with the MVG, but just how close some of the ring grip is. They look a bit weighty. They're interesting, aren't they? Yes. Um, the, the second semi-final, again, Johnny Clayton was in, was in a bit of bother in this game. Michael Smith was on fire. And then the ferret doing ferret things and going to another stratosphere just to reel off leg after leg. He's just got this lack of knowledge of when he is beaten, Johnny Clayton. He keeps going to the well. He keeps producing these. He is 
one of the more adept players at winning from any situation on tour right now. Because when players are in front, yeah. fine. But Johnny Clayton, until the player hits that last double, he is the most likely for me to pull off a comeback from any distance in the world. Because we've seen him do it. We've seen him no, pull off ridiculous comebacks. We've seen him get out in front of and absolutely trounce people. We've seen him win tight ones where every leg matters or where your opponent's struggling back at you. And we've seen him win with B game as well. So he's just the most likely to produce it from any situation right now, in my opinion. And he showed it here again. Michael Smith chucked in 104 average. Can't really do a lot more there if you Michael Smith. Um, loses 6-4, knocked out in the semi-final. Possibly ends his chances in this Premier League. Still four weeks to go. Um, but he has to start picking up wins on the night now. And that would have been... Look, that, Averaging 104, up against Johnny Clayton, in a good position. You're thinking, right, I'm in the final. I'll go and have a crack at James Wade now. I've got some points on the board. Perfect. Nope. <laughs> Other plans for the ferret. Yeah. Um, and in the final, it was um, it, it, it was interesting because Johnny actually averaged more. And speaking to Johnny, he was like, look, fair play to James. He said, but he felt this was one that got away. He had had his chances and, and got in front. But again, Wade doing Wade things, just never knows when he's beaten, finds a way. God. Pretty normal behaviour for James Wade to average less than his opponent to come out with a win, though. It's just what he seems to do. But yeah, look, this was a yeah. really tight little final battle between both players. I can see why Johnny would think that this one slipped because Wade went back to back to win it, didn't he? So from five four up against the darts, Wade breaks and then holds. That is why it will hurt. I hate yeah. these photos. <laughs> and there we have the customary winner photo by the city that it's in in front of the board. Um, yeah, not not it's. Not in its best, but this was this was Wadey's run. MVG, Gerwin Price, and Johnny Clayton. If you're going to win a Premier League night, it's not a bad way to do it. <laughs> yeah, you'll take that, won't you? Yeah, just nice, isn't it? Just nice. Yeah. Um, well, they have we often forget Peter, right? Who never really seems to enjoy the Premier League anyway. They're possibly three of the, the, the best players in the world right now. James is Top just... three. Done and dusted. One, two, three. Yeah. Um Unless Colin wins this week. Which we'll come on to shortly. But even however, still a, even still, it could be a Wade right semi and one of them make the final. So he's not actually gaining a massive amount. But yeah. We'll come on to that later on. But sadly, he's got a Mr. Van Gogh in first round. Yes. Um, but. You're going to have to play somebody tough first round, and then you're going to run into Gerwin Price or Michael Smith, who both also need the points. But 
Johnny Clayton, four points clear. James Wade and Michael Van Gerwen on 25. Like you say, um, Tommy said in the chat room, you kind of forget with this format that there is a table going on. Um, this is something, God, that I think if they're going to persist with this for another year, the league table needs to be emphasised more other than just the nightly winner. Well, they don't do an update throughout the night, do they? Because obviously there isn't anything to update throughout the night. So in years gone by, after every match, you'd see the table on Sky. You'd see what it's done to the table. You'd know what everybody needs to do to go back above each other as the night goes on. You don't get that. You get it as a last minute. Because of there's so many changes to make to the table all at once, it's released about half an hour to 45 minutes on social media after play finishes, by the time we're doing the show, it's often not out when we're doing the fallout bar and you're still waiting for it to come out for us to put it up on screen or, or have that discussion about it. I'm relying on somebody on Wikipedia updating their running table in time for us to be able to tell you where you are. Yeah. So at that point, if it's not instantly available at the end of the show, that's why it's not getting the coverage that it needs. Fair enough. That's a fair point. Um, but it's looking increasingly difficult for anyone to get to that top four. It's looking as if it will be Johnny Clayton, Michael Van Gogh and James Wade and Peter Wright in Berlin contesting the final. Before we move on, oh no, I've got, sorry, my bad. I would love one of the outsiders to win this weekend, just to make it interesting. Just to start yeah. that snowball off that someone from outside, from afar, can go and produce a run for the next couple of weeks and get there. There's still a quarter of the campaign left. Yeah. But... We have a clip from Mr. Wade in Dublin. Um, yeah, times people like me even get like um, fortunate, and you put what you got to do is in in darts, you know. And um, I think the younger players and uh, less experienced players need to realise if you put yourself constantly in that right position in the right situation, and um, you, you get to that point where you can either choke or you can move on. And um, I, I believe I proved that for the last, I think, I would say five or six weeks. And um, yeah, so um, it's great to have a positive interview. And um, like, yeah, move, moving onwards, um, yeah, I'm, I'm far more happier than most people in the Premier League at the moment. So, you know, um, yeah, moving on forwards, um, I'm happy. I think he was happy, God. Doesn't have a buzzword in an interview, doesn't he? I'll wait. <laughs> um, before we move on to the Euro Tour, a couple of talking points on the calendar and the schedule. Interesting that Gezi pulled out of Gratz. We told us he was going to. No Michael Smith either. We've got a couple of clips from Gezi and Johnny about managing the, the schedule, and then we'll, we'll have a chat about this before we go on to the Euro Tour. 
exactly, and that's that's why I mean it's, it is too many tournaments. That's why I'm I'm missing out on. I'm going to miss a lot of ranking events. I'm just going to take some time out. I'm going to miss one or two of the Europeans coming up. I don't think I'm going to go to Graz next week. I'm going to miss the Pro Tours, and, and that's just basically because it's too much. And, it, and I'm, I am literally with an injury, burning myself out. And yeah, you feel obliged to go to every tournament, chase ranking points. But I've realised now you, you can't do that. You keep burning yourself out. So miss a couple of ranking events, and once the Premier League's over, recharge your batteries and look forward to the big ranking events that are coming up at the end of the year. That's the, the, the Gezi one, and this is the yeah, Johnny one. Especially as looking at the New York. Um, we're coming up, I think there's an European somewhere, I don't remember. Zwolle. Zwolle. You know, I'd have to fly back into Heathrow early hours in the morning to jump on a plane with my wife to go to New York. Um, you know, I think there's is a June that's basically three or four days old. You know, you've got to have a break. You know, the batteries run out, and as players, we need to recharge them to try and perform to the best that we can. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to try and sort a few steps up where I can take that break. Is that a case of sitting down with your family and working out which ones are best to miss then for you and the families? Yeah, maybe. It's, a, it's just like when there's a lot of travelling involved, like the Europeans, plus the World Series, plus this, that. I think the ones with the most travelling, maybe try and have a break between them rather than, you know, if, if you're in Sheffield, you're in the Premier League and then you're going to Wigan. That's not so bad because you're around that area, but when you've got to jump on flights, that's what, what kills you basically because it's the early hours in the morning for flights and, you know, yeah, I think, when you look around that, the ones with a lot of flying, I think I'll take a few days off in between. Let's discuss. Chat room, get involved as well. Is the schedule too crammed and congested into one period, Gob? sort of in phases isn't it you've got the premier league phase but with that you've got the demand to get pro tours done so that there's rankings for your televised events a significant amount of ranking for your televised events to come towards the back end of the year then you've got your summer which is normally your match play your world series you're traveling about a little bit which just increases the cost because no kids are at school and whatever else and then you've got a back end where it's just tv tournament heavy but you do get breaks you do get two, one week, two weeks in between them, the odd pro tour to pick up. Um, but yeah, look, it's brilliant. We have a full calendar and we've been moaning for the last couple of years. We don't have a full calendar, but at some point they need a logistics coordinator to just sit down and go, right, this is how you can fit this venue in on the Euro tour without these guys having to stress too much. And, and this is how you can do that because some of them really are in the arse end of nowhere. They're the most difficult venues in the world to get to. You have to fly in, then get trains, then drive across and whatever, and mess about with all that. If they're city locations that are close to airports, it's not ideal, but it's still not the most difficult. But when there's additional travel on either side of airports that's significant, I think that's where there's an issue for these guys who are just burnt out. Look, Premier League used to be all right. You could play one game, play first on the night and, and disappear. You've, you've done your job. You've got your two points. With a win, feeling good about leaving the venue. Now you've got to play three times in that night. 
then possibly travel the following morning. It's incredibly unlikely that if you're a Premier League player, you're not seeded on the European tour. But can you imagine the damage if you were? Well, I, that, that narrative almost. But up until this week, James Wade wasn't seeded. So a couple of times, he's had to bomb it off from a Premier League to go to a qualifier. And it, that's just a lot. It's too much, too much basically. Yeah. Um, look, just looking it's at... Look, it's not the most physically exerting sport, but it's mentally incredibly taxing. And whether people like it or not, there is still alcohol involved in the game at the top level. And just having to get to that level that a lot of the players require to perform at their best, it's not healthy for them. And I guess, look, you could say that's down to the players and, and their need or desire to, to drink whilst playing. But you think how often these guys are having to put five, six pints into their body just to play a game of darts to perform at that level. It is not healthy for them at all. No, I agree. And just looking at Instagram today, this weekend for the Euro Tour looked like a prime example. I haven't seen one player heading back to the UK that was on a direct flight. It was wherever in the UK to Munich, Munich to Graz, and then back Graz to Munich somewhere in in the UK. Um, yeah, it's not, and especially the fact the guys are in Dublin as well. So a lot of them had arguably two flights, even two or three, to, to get to these events. Yeah, one back to the UK, one across, then mess around over that side, travel. just a lot it's just an awful lot and i guess that perhaps down the line when you start getting midweek pro tours and the tour looks a lot more professionalizes the aim and full time that's absolutely fine and players can pick and choose a little bit but i think when you've got a tour that's so big that players feel like they need to pick and choose and that they aren't absolutely anything it almost devalues your tour you have to get that that optimum middle range if you go and chuck in Oh, look how many events we've got now. Brilliant, brilliant. We've got 47 Pro Tours and 26 Euro Tours and whatever throughout the tour. Brilliant. Yeah, right. There's opportunities for prize money in all of them, but you're not going to get your top players at them for all of them, and you're going to start pissing off your sponsors. Well, that's something MVG has done amazingly well over his, his career. The fact that he'll play enough to get enough points on the board to make sure he's at Minehead and, and, and so on. And then he will pick and choose. It's something that he has done exceptionally well over the years. Um, and Peter Wright plays in everything. But he, we're seeing him even talking about missing stuff now, which is interesting. Yeah, and when, when your top four are effectively all speaking out right now about playing too much and needing to keep stuff in reserve for them. It's not a good look, especially this early on in the season. The other thing is, there is no break. The darts calendar runs from January to December every single year and carries on. The snooker's on now. You'll have players that will come in and do their Q score and whatever, but there'll be a month until the next decent event now for these guys to get themselves back into the season. Golf finishes, they'll have two months off, they'll have an off-season football finishes in the UK, you'll have some alright, some of them might have tournaments, but even then, they still get four to six weeks off where they're not playing. There isn't really a 
block or just a month where there's like, right, the PDC go, we're shutting down for an entire month? No. No, agreed. It's it, it's a real interesting conundrum. But like you said, the fact that more and more are, are openly speaking out about this, that when the, especially when the Premier League's on and stuff like that, just give them a couple of weekends off and just spread the pro tours out that little bit, little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, Jim says it as well. He's like, although not on the same scale as the top players, been on the go non-stop for 18 months. Honestly, I'm shagged out. We'll keep as I'm lucky doing what I'm doing. But it's the same thing, Jim. When you're chasing ranking money to get to the WDF, it's almost just as bad because without being disrespectful, the majority of players that will play in the WDF aren't full-time pros. So you'll be working four or five days a week and you'll be travelling every single weekend to go and play darts in Denmark or Austria or Norway or just chasing ranking money across the country to go to one event a year, which is your WDF World Championship. Plus then, if we can get, if you're in things like the Live League and whatever, there are opportunities and we've been saying there's never been a better time to be a dart player in terms of number of events, number of competitions and things you can play in, but you still have to have that ability to have autonomy and choice over what you can and don't play in. And if any tour is set up so that you need to be in absolutely everything to reach everything, then there's an issue. 100 percent it's it's a real it's a real interesting conundrum for top players but like we said gezi didn't go this week johnny's already said he's going to pull out a zwaller um as well um because again chatting i won't name the player if if he comes out with it then it's up to him but as johnny said he's obviously going to miss zwaller because he's flying to New York early on Monday. So to get back from Holland to Heathrow, it's literally meet his wife at the airport to jump on another plane. There's there's another player that is going to play in the Euro Tour that weekend. He has to fly from Sippel, Amsterdam to, I think he said Lisbon, Lisbon to New York because he couldn't get back to the UK to get a flight in time. That's crazy. Yeah. And look, it's so, a brilliant opportunity to go into New York. It's a, it's a, we're going over to the US. We're going to try and crack it again. It's Madison Square or it's a theatre next to it, however you want to cut it or whatever. And it is East Coast Darts, which is where there is a bigger pull of darts in the US than there are on the majority of the rest of the country. Also, I'm led to believe. So it is still a massive opportunity. But it's not as if you fly out there you're in a five-star hotel, you can chill out for a day or two and then you just play your match because you literally, for want of a better phrase, hoard out while you're out there for every one of these World Series events because your job is there to promote the game. So you're at every single marketing, every single sponsorship do, every single press opportunity that they can find whilst you are there to go and do meet and greets, to put your smile on, to be there in your gear, or whatever else so that you can get attention and attraction to what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, but having said that, there was a Euro Tour event this weekend, God, and it was an absolute belter. The green jacket was up for grabs. Um, 
and let's run you through. This is the session from Friday. None of the seeds played. They were all traveling. Um, but the first one, Danny Jansen is continuing his, his good run of form. I'm still not convinced about that wrist and that action. But at the moment, when it works, it's very, very watchable. He is. He's very entertaining. Um, playing some brilliant darts. Already won a Pro Tour at 19 years old. I think we forget that about him. Just burst out of absolute nowhere. Another one of the, the Dutch Revolution. And look, Dutch darts is on the way back up again right now. When when Barney disappeared, it looked like it was going to be in good hands. You had Jeffrey Deswan, Dirk van Dijvenberg, and a couple of others just making that step. But it, they haven't really been there for a while. But you've got Danny Knopper making strides again. Dirk's back on the up. Jeffrey looks like he's in a better place again. Vincent's playing darts pretty well again. Danny Janssen looks solid. Uh, you've got Kyvenhoven. You've got Clearmacker. Uh, you've got Jermaine Watermaina still in there. There are plenty of top-level Dutch darting talents about right now. Well, another one. Wesley Placio is doing damage. Look, Matt Campbell played very well here. But Placio just continued from the performances last week. Yeah, if he's on it from dart one, he's incredibly difficult to beat. He is another player that, if they're off, they're off by a long way. And it will drop a, yeah. a long way. But if he's on it from dart one, expect big things from him because he is superb. I just want to comment. Tommy says, I like the jacket. I don't. I, I'm with I, Tommy. I do. I like something a bit different. No. I, I do like something a bit different. But the green jacket is a bit different because it's for the Masters and it's for golf. It's a little bit gimmicky and a little bit copy and ripping it off for a European tour. But let's be honest, nobody can actually, you wouldn't be able to tell me the name of it. The Austrian Darts Open. If I asked you in six months' time where you win the green jacket, you're more likely to remember it's in Graz than you are if it's the Austrian Darts Open or... <laughs> Because you might have it as the Austrian Darts Masters or the Austrian Darts Championship or whatever else. Because the names in that fiddle around and they're so subtly different. You're more likely to remember that he won the green jacket in Graz than you are at the Austrian Darts Open. And also, calling Euro Tours Opens are an absolute load of nonsense. Because <laughs> they're We've just not Opens, are they? We've stuck they're 50 not open. in the media. And there'll, there'll, there'll be another one in a minute. First of all, Jim Williams, obviously. It's not open. It's not open. It's not open. <laughs> whilst, whilst Gob's going, I'm going to miss this one. Jim Williams, well done. However, I'm going to go down. Was it the, was it the developed Josh Rock averaging 101 that beat Devin Peterson? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it, it feels like an attack on Josh Rock, and it really isn't, but he is just that bloody good right now it's easy to just keep making the jokes that somebody of his standard and his ability has a tour card but because of his age is allowed to go and compete against a 16 year old next week and it's not a dig yeah. at josh rock at all but he, he is he is clearly developed he clearly has the ability as a top level <laughs> darts player as a running average of a pro tour of 97 which has only just started to drop recently it was around 100 for a long, long time. Reducing Tom Pluss's on Euro Tour debut against Devin Peterson, who, by the way, looked very, very good again. There are signs that Dev has got that action um, under control and he's looking a lot better and a lot more confident on the dartboard. But even still, 
You run into a ton plus average from a teenager that just does not care. Twenty year old, sorry, or whatever. He's not a teenager, but he just doesn't. He's just he's got no scar tissue. He's just there playing his best darts, having a great time. It's not a dig at Josh Rock. It's a dig at the system. Yeah, no, that's why I was put the fifty p in there. Um, Ricky Evans produced a good comeback uh, to beat Johan Entram. He was behind. Very, very good weekend for um, Ricky Evans and fulfilled that lifelong ambition of being the man that hoovers the stage, um, which was a, a nice. I love picture. his sense of humour. I love Ricky yeah. Evans' sense of humour. I think more dark players need to just embrace that side of it and showing it off and being a little bit of a character. Um, Madas Razma absolutely dispatched Michael Rastovitz. The very watchable Cameron Menzies has been Steve Beaton 6-4 and again, nothing left in Cammy's tank whenever he plays. You know the emotion goes from one end to the other. But a good win for Cammy. First year as a tour card holder needs to pick up money and that's a good start on the Euro Tour Yeah, solid from him. Solid from Razma before, by the way, who averaged 108 who's also getting that little bit more vocal on social media, and I quite like it. Him and Darius Labanauskas are two that are really embracing social media, I think. Um, but yeah, Cameron Menzies, superb performance from him. Solid, competitive, mid to low 90s. Bang on, basically. And then there was a shock. Patrick Gosnack only averaged 79, but he beats Ian White 6-4. White only averaging 80. There's issues. The only thing I saw about this was the celebrations at the end because the home crowd absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. But not looking good for Ian White, who used to rely on the Euro Tour an awful lot after COVID, was injured for a while, didn't have the Euro Tour to then go back on to lost an awful lot of ranking money. And now he's effectively chasing through no fault of his own. And when you're there, not bemoaning his luck. I'm not. We haven't really had him like moan about it at all. But it was certainly playing on your mind that, well, I was 12th in the rankings last year, and now I'm mid 20s, and I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't actually lost anything. I've had the chance to go and defend it, and then I got injured. When everything starts coming back, so I'm at more of a disadvantage. It can start to play on you a little bit, a little bit like Adrian Lewis's downfall. His injury was no fault of his own or anything like that. Next time you come back, you're massively off. You're constantly up against it. And you haven't actually done anything wrong. You haven't dropped off an awful lot in terms of level. And I think that's yeah. what I see in white right now. But I'm not um, sure if he's got that desire to get back to the very, very top. Uh, Callum Ridd's absolutely dispatching in his. And then Zoran Lurchbacker found a special way to beat Thibaut Tricol. And Tricol's another one that's embracing social media, loving the opportunities that, that he's getting. But the 167 from a lurchbacker was a little bit good. Any 167's a little bit good, but to do it to win the match is superb. I still don't know where I put Thibaut. Just needs to be that little bit more clinical, that little bit more composed. He's clearly a player that gets very emotional on the hockey, doesn't he? Hmm. Yeah, agree. Um, Clements again dispatching of Tony Martinez. Dane uh, at Jermaine Watamina. The Dutch derby was very, very good. Um, and the start of a good weekend for Dane Oppert. But encouraging signs 
for Jermaine. Just starting to, to get a little bit close to where he should be. Results-wise, maybe. You still want that extra level of performance from him. Um, I don't like the way his darts are balanced. I'll be, I've thrown them before, and I, I don't think they help at all. It's the only thing I can think of, really, uh, to add to that. He's got quick throw. Doesn't set himself an awful lot. Kicks at it a little bit. And I just don't like the balance of the dart in the hand either. So, yeah. Jeffrey Desjuan silenced the home crowd. Mensal Sulovic beaten. And again, Sulovic didn't look convincing. Only averaging 85 in this one. I'm not sure where Mensa is right now in his career, but mm, I think he needs to, I think one, I think he needs to play more. Um, there looked a lot of rust and just didn't quite look at it. But again, encouraging signs for Jeffrey Dijuan right now. Um, Bunting beating Sedlicek in a noble as well. Tough first round game for both of them. But it was the bullet who came through. Brett Clayden coming through 6-5 as well. And Roby John beating Darius Labanowskis. Again, that was a, a horrible little tie for both, Gob. Yeah, especially with the home crowd on Roby John's side as well. They were very vocal this weekend with the Austrians. Um, I'm not sure I can add an awful lot to that. But yeah, no. a, a tough little tie for both Roby John coming out on top. Moving on, the seeds come in in day number two. And Christoph Ratajski starts with an absolute pummeling um, of Patrick Goslak. No um, no reprieve from being Ian White. Ratajski swept him aside. This was, this was an, I class this as an upset. Um, Damon Hetter had been playing exceptional darts. But Ricky Evans did a bit of a number on him. Yeah, look. Ricky Evans' form is trending upwards. He looks like he's playing a lot better. He looks a lot more relaxed, a lot more like he's enjoying his darts, seeing that a little bit on social media, seeing that a little bit when he's on stage, the, the, the swagger, the dancing, the, the messing around, just relaxing that little bit is back. Um, but yeah, look, this is definitely an upset in my eyes. Damon Hatter is in the top 10 players in the world in the last two months. He's been that bloody good. And the only thing that's been missing from Damon Hatter's game recently has been a big title because he's just been superb. But, yeah, a little bit of a drop-off in this one and a, a good win for Ricky Evans. And again, Nathan Aspinall, start of a very good weekend. He didn't get his luggage until until late, but the Asp um, produced to beat Wesley Placia in this one, 93, or clip in 94 from the Asp. And then another upset, Zara Lurchbacker beating Ryan Searle. Again, Ryan Searle... Under underperforming to the standards that we expect Searle to play at, only averaging 86. And again, the form that we have seen um, from Searle, not at the races this weekend. Yeah, and again, this goes back to what we're talking about in the Premier League, about how difficult it is to produce your top game 16 weeks in a row. I think this is just how competitive and how regular everybody's playing darts. Ryan Searle is not going to be around that 100 mark every single time he throws his darts. This is one of those occasions where it's not quite gone to plan. Um, tough opponent, tough crowd against him. Job done for Zara. Uh Johnny, who's he managed by? Any Anyone we know? <laughs> um, then Joe Cullen 
beat Jim Williams. The rock star gets off and running. Madas Razmar beats Jose de Souza and Danny Noppet beats Dimitri Vandenberg. The reason I've classed them together, good wins for Razmar and Noppet. But there are question marks right now around Jose de Souza and Dimitri Vandenberg. Both of them struggling for wins. And again, I look at the average. The size are only averaging 86. I say only as if it's poor. But in terms of top level that we've seen from Jose, that's off. Look, Dimitri has averaged 99, not done a lot wrong. But both of them, results-wise, can't find it at the moment. Yeah, I think the concern more so is for Jose de Souza. A lot of his success was behind closed doors. He struggled since he had his second COVID jab. He said that he had issues with his arm, etc. And now the fans are back. Look, you throw back to Jose's World Championship appearance against Michael Barnard at the Ali Pali before Jose went on that real big burst and kick on, and it was not great. Then he goes behind closed doors, goes and wins a slam, starts playing better, more competitive in the Premier League, etc. Solid, and I just think possibly the the pressure of playing in front of people again is getting to Jose a little bit. He's not quite at that same level after he struggled with his arm and, and whatever else. Um, and actually, he is a lot older than Jose. So he's a lot older than Dimi as well, which is why the concerns are there because it's a lot easier for a younger man without any family commitments, etc., to be more motivated to go on and recapture form than it is for somebody who's had a great couple of years picked up a major title, won a shed load of cash, but could actually just bugger off tomorrow and be content with what he's done and what he's doing. Dimi, look, performances are getting better, results perhaps not so much. Again, it's just a little bit of a hangover of not being in the Premier League and we're just not seeing him regularly enough for him to be going, right, now I need to produce my top game, a little bit of a lull period, get ready for the match play, etc. Who knows, but look. Danny Nopper as your first round tie is, is not what you want as a seed because the man's playing absolutely mustard right now. Yeah, um, Big Johnny, yeah, I, I know I've heard the, the tales, mate, not good. Um, into the evening session, the machine enters the fray. He dispatches of Brett Clayton, 6-3. Danny Hansen, again, this is an upset, beating Luke Humphreys, who won the Euro Tour last time. Hansen averaging 95 again. Very, very good from the, um, the Dutchman. Dirk van Dijvenbode again silences the crowd. Get ready, everyone. Ronnie O'Sullivan is on the brink. Um, Dirk van Dijvenbode silencing uh, the Austrian crowd. And again, we questioned Dirk a few weeks ago, but signs that he's slowly returning to that form that got him in everything and being spoken about an awful lot, Gob. Yeah, double percentage is good. Demeanour on stage is good. There's no real flailing about or, or sulking when it's not going his way. Still in the top 16 in the world. It's, he's looking okay. Yeah. And then MVG beats Cameron Menzies. It was a weird game. MVG always looked in control, but made it hard work for himself. Almost, I think he almost got embroiled watching Cameron's emotions, but got the job done. Then the ferret beats Jeffrey Dijuan. Rob Cross beats Josh Rock, but again, another good performance from Josh. Rob played really, really well. Stephen Bunting defeats Ross Smith. Questions about Swadger at the moment, Cobb? Hasn't started the season well. 
not at all. Six to, to nine months ago, there was talks about him going on to win Euro tours and pro tours and taking that next step. He was in absolutely brilliant patch of form, not quite kicked on to start this year. I'm not sure if that's a little bit of disappointment over the way that he played at the World Championships and he just expected more from himself sort of thing. Um, but yeah, he, he's not quite at that, that top level that Smudger was when he was just racing through people at the back end of last year. Then, the final day of action, Cup Collection Day, as Wayne Mardle calls it, the afternoon session um, was there. Uh, Danny Noppet beating Johnny Clayton. But again, a high, high quality affair, both well over the ton mark. I don't know how far behind your eye player is, Gob, but get ready. Massively. It's still on 38 points. <laughs> If I tell you he, he is three pots away from making a century break. <laughs> um, he won it then. Brilliant. <laughs> Don't miss a century because he's missed it two or three already and he should be level with Hendry and Williams on numbering a tournament. We'll break the tournament record as well. I don't think he's going to do it. Yellow, he needs to fluke the yellow. The yellow's not in a... No, he's not done it. The goat. Ronnie O'Sullivan is a seven-time world champion. Anyway, as Boyce would say, we're a dark show. We've enjoyed that now. Um, yeah, Noppy, superb. Joe Cullen beats Christoph Ratajski. Um, again, another ton-plus average from the rock star. And we spoke about him not quite firing in the Premier League, Gob. Is it things like the Euro Tour that are going to reignite that form? Because the Euro Tour is a notorious place where Joe Cullen has always played well. Yeah, especially for the last couple of years. He went into the European Championship number one seed um, 18 months ago. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Which Nathan is surprising when you look at the Premier League format. Because it's, it's the same as the, the final session. And he's done notoriously quite well there recently, but he's not quite able to do it on the Premier League stage. Yeah. Um, and then Nathan Aspinall beats Madders Rasma. Again, Aspinall playing himself back into some form. Dirk van Dijvenboda, ton average to beat Zoran Lurch back a 6-1. Uh, Michael van Gogh and James Wade. And then another high-quality affair. This time it was MVG that had the darts. But in the Premier League, they have met five times in six weeks. And then we see it a few days later, Gob. This is the issue that the Premier League is is causing, that Wade against Van Gerwen should be a game that's, that excites us. But because we're seeing it every week at the moment, it's just like, oh, they're playing again. And it looks like yeah. they both average basically a tonne. And it's been a nail-biting game. But because we see it so often, it's coming a little bit stale. Hit the nail on the head, mate. It is stale. Yeah, because that should be a game that we're talking about because it was good. It went to the wire. MVG averages 100.57. Wade averages 99.35. But we're not. And I think... 
this is the criticism of the current format, and whenever you have that debate about criticising the new Premier League format, and people talk about it going stale, you hit back with, well, I'm not bored of seeing these guys week in, week out on a Premier League stage go up against each other. And I'm not sure it is the same as the, the old Premier League format being stale, where you lose sight of it, the league table could be done miles ahead, and then you have the second phase where they play each other again and whatever. It is just the fact that it is making every single time these guys meet everywhere else that little less important that has made the format go... that is, is the issue with this current Premier League format. Agreed. Uh, Rob Cross beats Gabriel Clements in our last leg decider again. Cross constantly picking up money, which is good for him. Um, I still want to interview him to find out if he's serious about what he said to Dan Dawson, which is an interesting one. Um, but... Stephen Bunting defeats Callum Ridds. Ridds who beat Peter Wright before. Um, again, a good game. Um, Bunting played some exceptional stuff. Moving on to the quarterfinals. And Danny Noppert beats Joe Cullen. Um, gob. And, again, solid 96 average. Noppy at the moment is just tough to beat. And if you're going to beat him, you have to play well. I keep saying it every time we talk about how good Danny Noffitt is right now, but there was a time when we were picking him off as a 32-man TV tournament. He was the non-seeded player you wanted to play in the first round. He was the one you wanted, pretty much. You pick him off, you didn't back him on TV, but he's just added these levels to his game. It's just been a a constant progression since he made the switch over from the BDO days where he made that world final lost to Glendora didn't quite make the the solid instant impact on pro tours and and TV events but he's built his game up solidly once again Um, it's it's a steady enough action I'm not sure if I like the way the darts go in the board under pressure the most but he is just robotic like yeah it's very Wade-esque that not not the way darts enter the board, but the way the action is the same every time. Yeah. Um, Nathan Aspinall ended Ricky Evans' great weekend in the quarterfinals, but again that went to a last leg. Decided George Noble earning his money this weekend as always, um, and then MBG blows Van Dijvenboda away. Van Dijvenboda's averaged nearly just over one hundred and three. Not got near MVG. We'll talk about the green machine more in a minute. MVG is 6 from 14 on the finishes and averaged 106. I was about to say, we'll we'll come on to this in a minute, Gob, about MVG, because some good signs if you're a Michael Van Gerwen fan. Um, And then Stephen Bunting defeats Rob Cross. Um, Again, this was a fairly scrappy one. Both of them are better than that. Then the semi-finals. Um, MVG made tough work of beating Stephen Bunting 7-5. He was in front, let Bunting back in. Um, again, this, this was the, the MVG dodgy one, as, as we call it. And it's if he comes through the dodgy one, you don't see him getting beat. It, it's all the top players were all, of all throwing in one of these per tournament at the moment. 
when, when you look at it, all of them are doing it, whether it's in the Premier League or the UK Open or whatever, they're all throwing in one of these iffy ones. But if you don't beat them, the writing's on the wall. And when Bunting didn't beat him, only averaging 92, you kind of worried that MVG's not going to do that again. And then the other one, Danny Knopp at 7-2. I think, I think Aspinall just run out of steam. It's been a long time since he's played a lot of darts in a, in a day and a weekend. But a fabulous weekend for Nathan Aspinall, which set up the all-Dutch final. And if you're Danny Noppet before a dart was thrown, you quite fancy your chances in this one because your record against Michael Van Gogh of late is very, very good, Gob. It is, especially in, in finals and latter stages of the event. Completely agree, but it'd be a little bit disappointing with chucking in the sub-90 average. Solid from Van Gerwen, winning, I would say, of his B game. It's still just under a ton, but there are signs that he's just creeping back towards that level where if he wants to win something, he will, and he's going to make the Euratorius playground. Well, touching on it there, I was looking at stats and averages, and... Yes, he's not back to what I call his brilliant best when he was unplayable and for a period of time he completed darts. But we're seeing more and more of these 105s, 106, 107s from him. But he's, like you say, he's doing it while still missing a truckload of doubles, which is slightly concerning for everyone else. Yeah, the, the scoring power is definitely back. I think what's probably the bigger concern for everybody else is that he's been allowed to get back to this level. This time last year, there wasn't as many Euro Tours. Pro Tours were still in batches, granted. He was playing, okay. But Peter Wright was at top level. Gerwin Price was at top level. The rest of the field were at top, top level. Now they've had that year just to go through that cycle. More and more events, trying to pick and choose when they turn up. It's so much more difficult to keep a caged man down and just keep kicking him while he is down. And once you've allowed and him to get back out of it, we all know what he's more than capable of doing. And you you know he's confident again as well because we're seeing these little smirks on the big finishes. Not, not the ones that kill you in the ribs, but the cheeky little 112s and 116s. That little smirk he gives to the camera as if to say, I know. But the other thing as well, the, the the battering he's taken over the last 18 months, like you say, the kicks in the ribs, kicks kicks in the ribs, and the digs the other players have, were, were giving him in media, and they were, and look, he does it himself, so what goes around comes around. They were, they were digging at him when they were winning and enjoying it. Why do you think it's made him tougher? I genuinely do, which is a concern. Quite possibly. He's certainly gone away and, and worked on himself mentally by the looks of it. He just looks that much more resilient. There's been a little bit of change. Even when he was down, he was certainly showing signs that perhaps even if he didn't believe it, he was still saying the right things. But yeah, he, he just does look solid. Once you, again. You, you say that as well, look. I don't know this, but I certainly think he's lost a bit of timber as well. He looks thinner in the face recently. And and again, that goes back to looking after yourself away from the hockey. Look, everyone, 
well, I say everyone, a lot of people piled on the poundage over lockdown, coupled that with, with not playing and whatever, it, it it combines and comes together. But he looks well. He just looks like he's going to be a tough cookie for the rest of the year. And like you say, the others have let him come back and get that winning feeling again. could be their own problem. So, from the Euro Tour, our eyes now switch to the ladies' game. And myself and Gob and Boise, again, had the privilege of covering the, the women's series, Gob. And, look, I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats and the numbers. But certainly watching it, and like we do, the standard in the ladies' game in 18 months has definitely risen from these women's series. Not forget the top two or three. I mean, in general, it has massively come up. Yeah, in, in terms of level, I, I don't think the top two had their best weekend ever. I don't think they produced the, the 90 pluses that we can and know are possible from them. So actually, in terms of averages, they may be swayed a little bit by the fact that they weren't quite that much higher but that next batch have just risen that little bit more to edge closer to being competitive every time they play these every time they play Lisa and Fallon rather than I have to go and produce my best game against Lisa and Fallon they're producing a level that is competitive against them every single time now not necessarily that they're going to go and beat them every time but that it is competitive and that Lisa and Fallon need to go and do things above and beyond to get over the line in some of those games that we know they're capable of. Yeah. Now, the fairy tale story happened on Saturday, Gob. Forget everything else. To see Trina Gulliver, after everything the Golden Girl has been through, to see her come back and win one of these PDC Women's Series is an unbelievable achievement. Forget the darts. The demons that she's banished to come back and play and then win. Like we've, we've said it so many times, fairy tales only happen in sport. Yeah, no, just ridiculously good achievement to go and win one of these as it is, as how competitive they are. But to do it from the position that Trina was in 18 months ago or so is, is superb. Looks like she's enjoying it a little bit as well, not just going through the motions. We have seen the odd the smile, the glimpse, but there is still definitely that fiery competitor inside of Trina. Um, and it, it's brilliant to see that she went on and picked up that opening title, put herself right in the mix to being Blackpool. And it would have been a bit of a shame, and it still would be a bit of a shame, if Trina Gulliver was to miss out on going to Blackpool, just as the one that everybody can see that effectively put women's darts where it is, or, or a long time ago, did all the dog's work for so, so long keeping the spotlight on women's darts because she was she was the figurehead for so so long you don't win 10 world titles without carrying that an awful lot yourself so for her to be at the match play even if it's just once when the pdc yeah. finally start chucking more and more at the women's game i think she deserves a spot look you could probably say the same about dita heaven about what an ambassador she's been for the game all the traveling all the events she goes to but She's obviously taken a decision that she wants to chase other things for this season. And 
given that, I think it's incredibly difficult that we see her at the Winter Gardens. Uh, unfortunately, I, I agree with you. Look, I don't know if Dieter will go to Romania. If she does play in the final block of women's series, she's probably going to have to win two of the four events, Gob, or certainly a final and or two couple of finals or four semi-finals, something along along that is going to have to happen. Uh, let me check the numbers. Eight spots currently 1,300. So it'd have to be a win in the final, but that's providing that nobody else gets any money from that top eight. And look, unless they're all drawing each other first round, that's just not going to happen. We've seen that over the weekend. Players that lose early find their position under threat. There's a lot of, well, there's not a lot between 13, 14, should we say, Hutchinson at 9.50, still have a good chance. I think Ricky, Ricky, Rihanna Sullivan, Vicky Prum, Corin Hammond, they need to go and win an event. Yeah. Or they need four very, very consistent days, whether it's final four every time, pretty much. Um, but yeah, anybody else outside that's still in their chance to make that top eight right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, again, someone that you know, Jane Densley, a good weekend, getting to the semi-final in event number five. We'll speak about her more shortly, but again, very, very good from her. Moving on to event number six, and usual service was resumed. Um, Lisa Ashton picks up the, the title, but Laura Turner, a very good weekend for her. She was disappointing in the opening block, but... Very, very good here. She just made herself that much more difficult to beat this weekend, and it paid out an awful lot for her. Steady, consistent darts, didn't drop off, didn't really get picked off in the early rounds on that first day in particular, which is a massive thing. Get yourself into these tournaments and then see how far you can go, which is which has almost been a little bit of a criticism of Trina Gulliver, to be honest, that she... She will go on and go deep if she gets the chance, but the slight hint of a tough draw early on, and it's not quite gone in her favour throughout the Women's Series so far. Um, but yeah, look, I'll be honest, I didn't really think Turner had this level of performance in her to go back to that finals on the same day in this field. Seeing that she's picked up a couple of titles, WDF here, there and everywhere, but actually compared to the rest of the field, I, I didn't expect Laura to go back-to-back -back finals in this field when you look at the quality and actually some of the opponents that she's come through on those days as well very very good win over Corin Hammond on the Sunday uh, Tracy North as well, Chloe O'Brien looked fantastic at times once again this weekend been really impressed with uh, the young Scott um, but yeah look, solid from Laura Turner, she'll definitely feel a lot better about her game right now Well yeah, just in, like you say the semi-finalist in that one Chloe O'Brien and Robin Byrne really really coming of age at the moment as well, especially on day one, really impressed with those two in particular. Bright Futures, we'll touch on the Order of Merit shortly. Moving on to event number seven. And again, it wouldn't be a Women's Series weekend if the top two didn't win one. <coughs> Lisa picked up one on the Saturday and Fallon Sherrick beats Lisa Ashton in the final. A big moment there because everyone jumps on the Fallon Lisa record, but that was who Fallon's confidence of the world of good in the personal battles with, with Lisa. Um, decent final. Decent final. Pretty 
good level from Fallon, as, as you said, and it will do her the world of good to beat Lisa. Not just beat Lisa, but beat her convincingly. Shut down any opportunity of that early comeback. Picked off finishes. It, it was a clinic of finishing at times. Um, to just keep that in front. And look, the fact that there will be discussions that she relied on those big finishes to get her in the lead and whatever, and they might not be there next time, but it's just a good sign that she's been there, she's done it. These two are going to meet an awful lot over the coming years, especially if the PDC keep pushing women's darts the way they are. They both remain at, at this level, um, and it never hurts to be effectively your biggest rival. I don't think they see it that way. I don't think they want to be considered as, oh, we don't like each other, but as long as you're the top two competing for everything... It is going to be a little bit of a rivalry. Who's done this? Who's done that? Who's got the head-to-head record? They're not going to shake hands every time they get to the final and go, right, we'll split the prize money and you can keep the trophy for show and tell next week and I'll take it home the week after. That's just not how professional sport works. No, exactly. Um, So, again, superb stuff there. Moving on, the final event was event number eight. Lisa Ashton picked up her second one. And again, another Irish eye smiling gob. Katie Sheldon, the Irish girl, getting to the final. And again, that bullseye in the semi-final to beat Fallon Sherrick in a last leg decider was a little bit good. Very, very good. <laughs> Still staggered, sat watching it. Just how good it was. So calm, so composed from the youngster. Um, a lot of the talk over the last few women's series events has been about just how good Robin Byrne has been and Katie Sheldon shown that she's up there too for the Irish duo. It is superb little combination. And look, if there was like a Women's World Cup here, the Irish would be pretty good in this, I think. Katie and Robin would do a solid job. Oh, 100%. Um, again, another shout-out this weekend... Lorraine Wynn Stanley. We were critical of, of Lorraine last year that didn't really produce in the women's series, but we've also got the order of merit here um, as well. And I'm going to get it up on darts rankings on my screen. But look, the top two are, are no surprise. But Lorraine in second, what a contrast to this time last year. Definitely saw that this week from her, just the, the level of consistency, the level of performance, pinging in those big finishes or the big scores when she needed it most. Didn't really falter at times. Um, <clears throat> had her own little battle with Jane Densley all weekend. That finished two apiece. It was like they were just destined to meet in every single event. Um, and both times she got past Jane, she went on to, to go pretty deep in the tournament. So, yeah, look, superb from her. Put a lot of ranking money on the board. I think she's pretty much there now. Um, will be incredibly difficult for the rest to catch. We should have to have an absolute disaster of a weekend next time out. Um, not job done as yet, and would have liked to get over the line or wrap up one of these four days with a title because arguably a, a level of performance did deserve going that deep. Um, but yeah, look, solid, consistent weekend. Made the most of not Lisa and Fallon not being at their brilliant best, but made the most of a, a more open weekend than we have seen so far. Yeah, and look, just looking at that, all eyes on that top eight that Eileen DeGraff 
holds the eighth spot at the moment. But like we say, just underneath that, Robin Byrne, Curry O'Brien, Katie Sheldon, Joe Locke, McClurry, Suzuki, Kirsty Hutchinson, Rianne O'Sullivan. How far are we going down do we think can still make that top eight, Gov? Hutchinson, I think it was. I think Hutchinson's still in with a chance, but she'd have to go final on a win or something. You make a final with 600 quid, which puts her right back in the mix at 1550. It's just how much everyone else is accommodating at that time. And that's only one of four events. So the longer it takes to get to that final, obviously, that becomes a lot more difficult. Um, but yeah, Hutchinson and Suzuki, definitely Suzuki. I think she'll go and win one next time as long as she travels. Um, and that puts her right in the mix as well. Uh, I think the top three are there pretty much. Turner, as good as Makuru, I expect her to make it. I think everyone else is playing for about three spots right now. But yeah, kudos to the ladies. And especially the next one has a twist. Because potentially Fallon will not be there. Now, we all know that we're not saying that they can't beat Fallon. But it eliminates someone that is hoovering up money to give the others opportunity to win money gone. It does, and she's pretty well. She is there. I'm, I'm convinced of it. The amount of money that everyone else needs to overtake it, which might put a little less pressure on her dashing back to play on the Sunday should it arise. I'm still not the biggest fan of the situation she's been put in. I appreciate she was already at the the World Series, etc. Um, but yeah, like it, it does just open that door. If she's not in a half of the draw, it opens it up just that little bit more if she's back at the level that we know and expect from her. Because there were times when if Lisa's in one half of the draw, Fallon's in the other half of the draw, they're going to meet in the final. It didn't quite happen yeah. as often this weekend. If she's not there, it certainly opens it up for somebody else. Agreed. Um, done. I've, I've teed this picture up whilst we're on the ladies. We spoke about it earlier, but just to see Trina Gulliver back in that winner's circle. And the interesting bit for me, Gob, is to see her in front of a PDC board because I know we've spoken about the darting divide quite a lot. Back in the day, she was very much Miss BDO, wasn't she? Yes. She was indeed. So to, to, to see her... Entering them, the PDC events, and playing in them is is just a delight. Um, I, I think it's just logic, isn't it? There are more opportunities right now in the ladies' game, especially if the PDC keep committing to spots at the World Championship, women's match play, etc. There's more prize money regularly for less travelling than you will get in the WDF. It just makes sense. Yeah. Completely agree. Right, all eyes back on the Premier League. And we're heading to the Hydro in Glasgow this week. Night 13. And like we said earlier, it is becoming desperation now for some of these players. It is all or nothing. Someone has to break the top four monopoly of winning nights. Because time is running out. Chat room, come and get involved as well with your predictions for the quarterfinals. First up, I still, I'm still amazed. It's just a bit rough to remember what I said on Thursday again. 
<laughs> this is this is why I still can't believe they didn't sweep the fixtures. Um, evening, Harry, as well, mate. Um, it is the Scottish Derby coming up. Gary Anderson against Peter Wright. Not what was originally scheduled for Glasgow. It was meant to be Gary Anderson, Gary Price, which would have been a little bit a little bit interesting. Um, but where are you going with this one? Snake former, former World Cup teammates. As it as it looks like Gary has been axed from the World Cup team this year, or not decided. Not just going off topic slightly. Where do you stand on the Hendo getting picked? Is it confirmed Hendo is in? Yes. Officially. Not officially, but Hendo's in. I have absolutely no issue with Hendo being picked as long as it's written into the rules that the defending champions automatically qualify for the next time in the team in its current format. Because countries like England, their two have changed around an awful lot over the last couple of years. And should yeah. Michael Smith and David Gray go on and win it, but Rob Cross have a surging year and then be in position to go there next year, can you really justify dropping one of them, just as an example? Yeah, look, and, I, and no one begrudges Hendo the opportunity, but just the fact that he's not even the third-ranked Scottish player causes the issue. And again, as long as they write that into the rules, that's absolutely fine. But again, that's the problem, that even if Gary does turn it down, which is not really heard of in the past, but yeah. But you're going snake bite. I agree. Pizza six three for me. Then two of the most informed players collide. The ferret against the machine. And this is where the Premier League again. Could throw it up if Johnny Clayton wins. We see Johnny Clayton, Peter Wright again and again and again. Um, but which way does this one go? Are you back in your boy or are you back in the ferret? It's the third meeting between Clayton and Wade in five weeks. Second round in Leeds, final in Dublin, first round in Glasgow. I say Clayton just because he's got a dart. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I think in this format, having the darts is is huge. Um, admit it, guys, it's boring. I think for the fan at home, I agree, Tommy. But for the fan in the venue... They love it. For the fan of the venue, it's brilliant. 
Um, I'm going the ferret as well, just because he has the darts. Bottom half of the draw, Gavin Price, Michael Smith. Are we calling this a must-win for both? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Like I said earlier, there is still a quarter of the campaign to go, but it's still just a long way back for, for so much here. Um, I don't think it's an absolute disaster if Gezi loses because he plays Gerwitt, he plays Gary Anderson the week after. Then it'll be either Joe Cullen or James Wade. So I can see a route to the final in Sheffield if he was to lose to Michael Smith in Glasgow, but it certainly would help his case if he keeps picking up points here. Um, however, I'm going to say Michael Smith. And I'm not sure I said that on Thursday. <laughs> uh, I'm going Gezi because he has the darts. I think it'll be close. But I think a week off may have done Gezi the world of good. So I'm going for the Iceman. And then in the bottom one, MVG against Joe Cullen. I think we're all I think everyone may be going the same way on this one, Gob. Yeah, right now I only see one winner in this and it's it's Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah, and no, I'm I'm with you. So chat room from your picks, who makes the final and who wins night thirteen? So Gob, you've gone Wright, Clayton, Smith, MBG. Yas. Who are you going with? Clayton beats Van Gerwen. Van Gerwen beats right. I think we're due a Peter Wright final. Chat room are getting involved. Craig's gone Clayton. Uh, MBG beats Clayton 6-4. Tommy's gone the other way. Clayton to beat MVG 6-4. Bill's gone MVG to beat Wright 6-4. Yeah, look, it's it's going to be close. It's going to be nip and tuck this this Premier League. But don't, has Peter when was, has Peter got to the final since he won one? I don't think he has, has he? Oh no, he got to the final in Exeter. Yeah. Night four. Five or seven semi-finals in the last few weeks. We get into that second round, but just yeah, Nick Zergut. Yeah. Um. 
So, yeah, chat room, start priming your questions for question time. We've got a couple other bits in and around the week in darts. We haven't got any slides teed up, Gob, because there was enough editing as it was. Um, but some some good bits and bobs over the weekend. First of all, the ADC launched their their tour events, and it looked very, very good. Completely agree. Branding, everything looked professional. Uh, boards and setup inside the venue was was superb. There was playing areas quite clearly marked out. Both sides of the room, viewing area in the middle, stage setup looked good. Um, referee was, was superb. A friend of mine from university, Simon Rimmington, he's an excellent referee. Uh, great decision to get him involved. Um, yeah, look, impressed with them. Impressed with what they're doing. Impressed with the number of events and the way that you can track everything through Darts Atlas. I haven't had a full look at it and sit down. And I, I don't play an awful lot myself at the minute, but, but it, it just looks like a fantastic little tool right now. Yeah, I really like the way they're going with this. Um, looks looks very very good. Um, and the fact there's there's decent prize money on offer as well for the winners, which is which is good. Um, so looking it's forward to not just prize money though, is it? It's prize money with a promise of something else afterwards as well. It's prize money ranking list, something to come. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the World Open and the, the Golden Gauntlet, there'll be, again, places for that off the rankings, which is good. Um, so, yeah, big, big, big fan of the rebrand and, and how it's all gone. Also, the WDF in Denmark was was there. I didn't see, I'm not going to lie, I didn't see an awful lot of it. Literally didn't see a dart of it. Um, saw the update on social media. We had a few people firing into the chat room who was doing what. Uh, good to yeah. see. We mentioned this on stream that Yellow Classen isn't just sat around sulking that he's back chasing, playing darts, just trying to stay at a level till he can try and possibly get back on the pro tour level. Uh, James Richardson picking up the Sunday event. Um, Dieter Hedman picking up the Saturday. And then Suzanne Smith in the ladies on the Sunday, I think it was. Um, I can't remember who won the men's event on the Saturday. Was it Bialetsky? It was Sebastian Bialetsky. Yeah, and James Richardson on the Sunday. Good little run from both. Yeah, no, it was it was it was superb. James Hurrell, a couple of deep runs as well, which was good for him. Um he never seems to do anything outstanding, James, without being disrespectful. But it just sounds like he's just incredibly difficult to beat. Just steady, solid, gets his chance or ping it. Yeah, just kind of hoovers up money when when the, when, when the when the top players play well, they beat him. But if he doesn't, he hoovers it all up. Um, which was good. Stephen Burton won week one of the Live League, played some very good stuff on Saturday night as as well, which was which was good for him. 
some some super stuff there. The ceiling has always been ridiculously high. It's just everything else that goes around it. Memories of yeah having a bash at MVG on a pro tour, I think it was, and it just looked ridiculous. But it's just never really kept to that level. Yeah. No, I can completely agree. Um, that that was that was good. Um, what else to be having a week of darts? Have we have missed anything. I think so. The Grand Prix. Yes. There is a big danger that the World Grand Prix will not be at the City West. I think it might be more than a danger. A friend of mine had booked the hotel for the week and they have just had their reservations cancelled. Well... That goes hand in hand. Obviously, being in Dublin last week, the PDC went to look at alternative venues, I was told from a very good source. Yes. Leicester it is, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're, they're looking at... They want to keep it in Dublin. They went to look at a couple of venues in and around Dublin. Yeah, but you know it'll still end up in Leicester or Milton Keynes. Just <laughs> <laughs> the way. Just the way these things um, work. Johnny, not everyone hates it. The, 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 the golfers love it. Um. So, <laughs> the, the, was that the same one that's just got an old WhatsApp chat, Gob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, th- 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 they're still looking to keep it in Ireland. Um, but... Um, someone asked why. So it looks as if the Irish government are going to use the... Because it's a huge complex, the City West. It's not just a hotel. You've got the conference hall on the side. It looks as if it's going to be used to host uh, Ukrainian refugees. So that's why. Um, so again, that that also has a knock-on effect, though, God, because they've got two pro tours the, before that are due to be there yeah look, it's not the easiest thing to turn a venue around and de-rig or rig up 
from a Pro Tour setup to a stage setup overnight. I'm not sure it's possible. So you'd almost need a venue that's got two separate areas to do those things in, because that's what the City West has. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know is the... Is, is, is the answer to that. Although, like we say, we've, we've had it in our chat as, as well, but may not be looking great. Yes. Anyway, I think that's it. Uh, shall we do question time? Shall we? Let's dive into the chat room then, because you guys have been absolutely superb today. Um, Henry has joined us, which is good. Um, Craig says, "Hope the crowd." Yeah, uh, Craig says, "Hope the crowd are better in Glasgow this week than in Aberdeen." Uh, Bob, do you agree that lower players than the rankings should be playing more events, um, leaving the players higher up the rankings time off? Um, the problem is where it's limited to one, two, eight, Bob, it's, that's harder to do. And you can't say to say someone in the top 30, say top 16, you can't say to one of them, you're not playing this weekend. Well, if they choose not to play, that's a little bit different, but you can't tell them they're not playing, Bob. Mm -hmm. An issue has been over the last few months, they've not been able to fill those places. Called out an awful lot about the amount of times that Gerwin Price and Co have had buys in the Pro Tour when they have a system built to replace those players. Yeah. Um, Tommy says, who's in danger of missing the match play? Look, the, bearing in mind that there are still a lot of events to go, but right now, big names outside of the 16 places on the Pro Tour Order of Merit Mansell Sulevich, Vincent Van der Voort, Ross Smith, Simon Whitlock, um, Jim Williams, Barney. Merv. But they're dead. Merv. Merv's way down as well. Um, but there are a lot of tournaments and a lot of ranking money on offer between now and the match play. So... An interesting one. Um, Jamie says, what songs from any era do you think would make good walk-on songs? Anything with a good beat and the crowd can sing along to. Yes. Um, who's playing on the live league this week? Two seconds and I will tell you. Colin Osborne. So, this week on the Live League, Group A, Group A, Justin Smith, 
Colin Osborne, Robert Owen, Scott Walters, Richard North, Kai Fang Young. That's a good group. Then Group B, Lee Cox, Chaz Barstow, Rob Collins. Group C, David, uh, Graham Usher, David Woronowski, Aaron Monk. Do you think Steve Beaton will lose his tour card? Mm, he's going to be close. Let's have a look how close. We've said it for the last couple of years, and then he goes on a little bit of a spurt, and he looks all right once again, but he's going to run out of luck pretty soon. Right. On the tour card race, he is sitting... 58 on 54 and a half thousand pounds. So he's only three and a half grand from dropping out, which is not a lot, Gob. I appreciate that others have to win that money. But a couple of good runs here and there, that can soon disappear. What do you think? You look at the players in... I'm looking at the players in green more than anybody else, by the way. Jim Williams is already on 40 grand this year. Danny Hansen's already on 38.5. Scott Waits in green. Matt Campbell first year. Josh Rock. These guys are going to get more than 45 grand this year. Yeah. So it's just the players around him that Steve Beaton has to keep beating. Mike Ivanhoe and Willie Borland, Joe Mernon. You have to stay ahead of these guys. Adam Gaulas, Mighty Decker. And some of these are starting to play themselves back into form. Jamie Hughes. Perhaps more concerning right now is the player in 64th. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, back to the original question, though. Steve Beaton, yes, it's going to be close. Um... Which North American players do you think will have the most impact in two years? Uh, Matt Campbell, 100%. His throw is so solid and so difficult to break down, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the other one is, is, a, is a bit tougher. Um, but for consistency basis, I'd probably say Jeff Smith. Um, but the likes of Leonard Gates and Danny Lalby, if they can go to Q school and win cards in January, they have explosive games, God. Maybe not consistent, but when it's on, they are explosive. Yes. Bang on. Um, do you think the WDF world champion, Neil Duff, has the game to challenge the top PDC players. Uh, Neil's definitely got the game to go go well and do well in the PDC. 100%. If he wants to. Yeah. If, if he wants to go over, 100%. Getting Billy Piper vibes from that answer. If he wants to. If he wants to. Oh, what a tune. <laughs> That'd be a walk-on tune. Fun. 
gotta pay that song so loud. Catch me on soon. Um. What did you think about the slow motion camera? Oh, that's a point. I was going to bring this up. Not just the slow motion camera, but since the Euro Tour has been on the zone in particular, Glob, there has been a lot of money spent on technology on the Euro Tour. Yeah, look, it looks a much happier place to be. The, the criticism of the Euro Tour in the past has always been it's quite dark and dingy, and I still think it is to an extent. I don't like the crowd the best or anything like that, but it does look a lot, lot better production-wise. I like the fact they're trying something new, different camera angles, etc. I wasn't a fan of the slow-motion cameras because they just used them at the wrong time, I thought. It was sort of yeah. like, we have this technology. I need to use this at every single opportunity I possibly can instead of, bang, let's use it. Because, obviously, we're watching on PDC TV in the UK as well. King Cup makes a good point, and I thought the same. I thought my streams were just lagging. <laughs> Yeah, look. I, I thought my I think, people I think were just it's... struggling to load Ricky Evans' dance moves. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I, I think it's good. They, they again, like you said, they just need to pick and choose when when they use it. But there has been a lot of money spent on equipment since it's been on design. That that's a fact. Yeah, I suppose once you go and pay for something like that, you have to justify buying it. So you're going to overuse it the first couple of times and. They'll die down. They'll be less silly with it. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. From what we were just saying, would Beaton go to Q school? I don't think he would. Yeah. And why? What, what? What? I don't think he'd want to either. He's, like, he's had a glittering career. He can drop off, milk the milk the exhibition circuit, and drop in and do the seniors. You have live league, perfect. Yeah. Um. Uh, Johnny, leave it with me. I want one. <laughs> Please pinch mine, the sod. He's not even bloody here. Uh, what else have we got? We've got about 10 minutes, guys. So get your questions in. Worst darts match I've ever watched. Oh, I'm, I'm guessing we're talking pro because I've seen some pretty horrific ones in local league. Local league? Jesus. There was... Which one was it? Oh, oh, let me see if it's on Dark Connect. There was an absolute horrific one at the WDF World Championships. 
Um, and also, I'm going to give you one of both for balance. Jim Long, Mickey Mansell at the World Championships a few years ago is right up there. Few in the chat room. D'Souza Barnard was a stinker. Paul Lee yeah. Joe Mernon wasn't much. Trying to think, there was a real stinker. I think it was the men's. Tony Fleet. Possible. I'm trying, I'm trying to find it now, but it will. Possibly, Daniel. We'll see what comes up next week. Nine events is still a lot, especially when there's Euro tours. And there's Pro tours, it's a lot easier. But yeah. Euro tours, yeah. when, when you can win 25 grand, it, that changes the landscape massively if someone rogue wins it. Yeah, I'm not going to overly analyse who's going to do what. think it might have been Ryan DeVrida against Francesco Raneschi, if you pronounce his name. Rashini. The Italian. That was that was tough. <laughs> Tony Fleet was Tony Fleet was not nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um no one know what knives were. No. Um, correct, Johnny. He was. Yeah, for a world final, Shepherd Cart was more. Yeah. Um. What is it? Um, Warren French against the Japanese guy when Sky stopped showing it. Yeah, that's right up there when Sky cut the coverage. Right. Um, this is what happens when you widen the field, though. Um, yes, there will be something with Matt in the pipeline. We're just trying to work out a date that we can both do it. Um, so, yeah, that'll be coming soon, Dan. Interesting as well, God. I know whilst we could think, I know I put it in our group that it doesn't look as if the World Series times for New York are being time shifted for the UK. It looks as if they're going with prime time East Coast. Midnight. Speaking of prime time East Coast, my bus, my ice hockey team run tonight. Yeah, boy. Which is better than my NBA team played yesterday. Let me just pee. I'm sure that's what it's on the PDPA website. Can't be a Leafs fan, Bill. They didn't win anything. <laughs> Harsh. 
true. Cursed. Right. So yeah, on the on the PDPA website, Gob, it's got Friday the third of June, um, nineteen hundred EST. One o'clock Eastern. Is that first session? What about the evening session? Uh, Friday, it's just one session. Then on the some on the Saturday. Again, you've got the North American Championships in the afternoon, and then seven o'clock um, EST for quarterfinals, semi-finals, and final. Damn, that's midnight start. There we go. I'm guessing you won't be doing the fallout then, though. <laughs> Weekend event, no chance. Um, to be fair, though, I'm actually pleased they're doing that because this the World Series shouldn't be aimed at just the UK. This is to promote yeah. it. So I'm I'm actually really pleased that that's the case because I remember yeah, I, I went to Vegas. That only helps West, which is the rest of America. Travelling east, you've got at least a five-hour gap. And then it gets worse for the rest of Europe to sit and watch it. But it's just, I remember when, when I went to Vegas for the darts, being in the venue at nine o'clock in the morning, Vegas time or whatever, wasn't really... Yeah. No, I get why they're doing it, it's just... Our coverage is going to be limited. I will not be staying up. Good job I'm going then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, as Matt says, much better for the fans in attendance to full day at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I think it's for for the purpose it's been done for. I, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, ITV. Um, leading sports thinks must stage darts after losing the football. Possibly they don't get if Channel Four don't get Clive Teal's name for England games. By the way, just boycott the hell out of it. Serving right, paying that amount of money and not getting proper commentators in. Yeah. Um. on the PDC calendar, which is showing me right now. Day. Um, that Jamie, it's not the World Series, not Mickey Mouse. It, it's been it's done to grow the game in other areas of the world. It, for for what it, for what it's meant to do, it it's perfect. You're you're showcasing the sport in a new territory that you're trying to grow in. Yeah, it is an exhibition. Yeah, it's Mickey Mouse for people who watch every single event in the UK, perhaps, but for its purpose elsewhere, it's fine. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy asked, would you consider a fan calling someday? Possibly. It'd have to be people that we'd built up a relationship with in the chat room. 
because we don't want to be putting our name and sponsors' names next to chance for people to be idiots, especially not for doing it live. Yeah. Could be a strong fragrance to put a player off. Uh, Brock, that has been known before. Um, yeah. I'm not one that you apply to, I'm just not watching. Trapped. <laughs> And to be fair, there, there was one last year that a player had applied too much deep heat for the opponent's liking and said it was done deliberately. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, right, last one, Gob. You pick one more and then... 1999 Taylor versus current MVG best of 11 sets. Who wins? From Big Johnny. Uh, can we change it? Because right now, I, if MVG now, I'd say Taylor. But if you went 99 Taylor against 2017 MVG. Can I stop you there? Don't make a difference what bloody MVG you pick. Taylor is that's good. No. Um good. The, the two thousand the, the, the year MVG completed darts, that one. Still waiting for the darts Royal Rumble yellow. Yeah, it it's coming. It's going to be good. Um, but everyone, thank you very, very much. It's been a good show, Gob. It's been all right. I don't even need Lee Boy, so I'm reliably informed. Just tuned in a couple of minutes ago, and it's hurt. We didn't put a picture of him up. He's not dead. Just took a just took a day off to go and watch a pointless game against two average mid-table sides. Huge celebrations when Varane scores a third against Brentford. Yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, but everyone, thank you very, very much. This will be available as an audio-only pod um, in the next couple of hours or so. But I've been Phil Bars, Jack Gobby Garwood, as always. Remember, the live league returns tomorrow. We've got a couple of interviews dropping as well. One with Fallon. Johnny and Daryl Gurney to come this week. Also, the preview for Glasgow will be up as well. It's all good, gents. It's all good. Thank you very much for your continued support. And we will be back next Monday. Um, Boise may join us. He might be washing his hair or he might have a wedding or something. Um, Subscribe if you haven't. We're two away. Two away. Remember, get us to 24K. But we've been online darts. Thank you very, very much for your continued support. And we will see you all very, very soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.